Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 943 with Kathleen Wood. A lot of people, when they start a business, they're going wide because they think they have to get all these things done. But to actually grow a business, you've got to start to bring it in with clarity and alignment so that you can put it on a path to accelerate its trajectory. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Pop Menu, and restaurants have been hit hard over the past last years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever, trying to meet the expectations of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity because it uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines, like... Can I make a reservation or where are you located? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. For a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, Profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest back on the show for a second time founder of Kathleen Wood Partners, Kathleen Wood. Kathleen, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling so unstoppable. I can't help <laughs> myself, Eric. This is fantastic to I'm be here again. So excited to reconnect with you. And this time it was done in such an organic mat- matter or a way like you were referred to us twice. Or I think if not twice in a month, twice in two months from two wow. different people who wow. had nothing but amazing things to say about you in an organic conversation. They said like this was a pivotal part for me in my business and what we're doing here. Kathleen would help us get clarity and she just helped us find out who we are and what's unique about us. And that's what we're here to do today. And if you guys want to listen to Kathleen's first episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 290. We get more into her background, who she is, and how she got to where she is today. Today is going to be a focused conversation on what she does best. And um, I can't wait to get into it. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? So one of the success quotes that I kind of live by is the clearer the leader, the clearer the team, 
the clearer the business. Beautiful. I love that. The clearer the leader, the clearer the team, the clearer the business. What a great way to set up today's conversation because that's really what you do is provide clarity. Absolutely. And you know what? I have to be clear about one thing too, Eric. It is a pleasure to be here. When I think back to our episode of 290 and now we're into the 900s, so 638 episodes later, we get the universe does conspire to bring us back together. And I want to give props out to the great people that might have said you know, great things about the work we've done together. That's fantastic. I've always uh, felt it's been an honor to work with great people who want to do great things with their business. So, Mm. and it's an honor for me to be here today with you because you've been helping so many great people do great things with their businesses through all these episodes. So thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is ours. And I'm really excited for this conversation. So like, like I mentioned, um, we were talking to to Peter Sclafani. He, at the time when you were working with him uh, and you I just found out today are continuing. You guys are continue to partner and work together. But when you really, when he discovered you, it was when he was at uh, Rafino's in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and then not too long after, I think it was actually uh, Peter that referred you to Brandon Landry, who is the founder of walk ons. Does mm-hmm. this sound accurate to you? It sounds, you know, the yeah. common denominator in all of this happens to be Todd Graves, okay. the founder of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, who I in, first started working with in Baton Rouge. Ooh, Todd and, and I connected when we were out there and I, when I was talking to Brandon Landry and he's on my radar uh, and I'm going to throw your name into the loop too, to make sure I get on his radar. Please do so. He (laughs) is such an inspiration. And I was very fortunate to work with Todd and his team when there were only two raising canes. So to think that today there's over, you know, six, 700 raising canes, it is a true testament, but Todd is such a great leader and also such a great ambassador of people that have helped him too. And I actually got introduced to Brandon through Todd. And I want to say I got introduced to Peter through Todd. Probably because they're all close. They are. It's yeah. very Ben Rouge. It's the hub of great brands that come out of the Southeast. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so when you were working with Raising Canes, were you on the like? Were you a part of the team, or were you uh, contracted out like consulting, like you're doing today? I actually had two great opportunities with Raising Canes. I started working with Todd and the team when there were only two as a consultant. Okay. So for several years, I would go down to Baton Rouge every other month and meet with you know Todd, the team, and we worked on strategic planning. You know, building systems. How can we scale? How can we be efficient and effective? And that was an amazing journey to be on the kind of the ground floor and really be part of the team that brought it to where it could scale. Mm -hmm. And then I had the wonderful opportunity to go back into Raising Cane's as the first president and COO of the company. And I went down uh, to Raising Cane's because it was such a, I was consulting, but it was the one job opportunity that, of course, I was going to take because, you know, I have so much love and respect for Todd, but also I had so much love and respect for everyone at Raising Cane's. So I went in as the first president. I was called the first growth phase of Raising Cane's when it was before, right before Hurricane Katrina. So I was down there before, during, and after Hurricane Katrina. What was that, 2003? 2005. Yeah. And during that phase, really, we came out of Katrina and we were positioned for growth and we just kept growing after that. So you must know my good friend, Paul Tuneman too. Yes, I do know Paul. (laughs) He's a lot of fun. (laughs) Paul is fantastic. Yeah. The last time we were uh, down in that area, he, we connected with him and we recorded uh, on his boat. He, I don't know if you know, he retired, he's sailing all over the place now. So 
man, small world. Small world. Paul yeah. is such a great guy, too. Oh, so much, so much character. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and his boat. That's a tough spot for you two, Eric, right? Being I know. A beautiful it was the boat. first time I ever recorded on a yacht. <laughs> uh, that was a record or a new experience for me. But when, when you first came on and you were consulting when they are at two locations, not to date you, but when was that? Uh, about 1990, I want to say 1998. 1998. Yeah. And then were you more of a general generalist as far as what you did as far as your consulting? I think what I always thought about with consulting, and the reason why I got into consulting was that I had had a great corporate run. I mean, I had worked for amazing companies, yeah. the National Restaurant Association, TGI Fridays, MasterCard, I mean, all of them, yeah. best in class in what they do. But what I really found my passion in working for those big organizations was, was that I like to build businesses. Mm. And what I really wanted to do was take what my passion was of building businesses and start to create systems and processes that would allow others to accelerate the growth of their business. Okay. And the one thing that I really wanted to do was to work with really great people who had, who knew that it was going to be a, kind of a journey that had a lot of ups and downs in it, but they had the, you know, they had the vision and they had the internal fortitude that said, I believe so much in what I'm doing, I'm going to take it to the world. Yeah. And I was very fortunate early on to meet Todd and to also meet Dave Anderson from Famous Dave's oh, and, cool. you know, a, a lot of really, at the time, very small companies today, yeah. we kind of, their household names. So the reason why I was asking, I was curious if you were more of a generalist there, because I noticed over time, I think people get so stressed out with who am I? <laughs> Where am I going? What is my thing? And I think at first, when you're just getting started, just have a, a true north, right? right? And, and go generally in that direction. And then over time, you, you know, if, if this is 180 degrees, and if you're watching the YouTube channel right now, you can see me with my arms spanned out. Uh, as you're going north, you're, like you're, you're honing in on a true radial, right? right. You're 360 degrees. But you don't need to know that exact radial right from the beginning. I think over time when you when you get out there, you learn yourself and you can hone it in. And is it safe to say that now your core focus is helping people find their core their core focus? I think my core focus today now is helping people find that focus so they can accelerate their mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. um, and when I think about that, Eric, it's exactly your illustration. I'll try to mimic it. Yeah. It is, you know, <laughs> a lot of people when they start a business, they're going wide because they think they have to get all these things done. But to actually grow a business, you've got to start to bring it in with clarity and alignment yeah. so that you can put it on a path mm -hmm. to accelerate its trajectory. I'm, I'm going through this process right now myself, so I'm finding it like really like helpful to have this conversation. Um, I'm actually, I, I just recently read Gino Wickman's books. Do you know yep. um, Traction? Have oh, you heard totally. of it? Oh, totally. So traction. the first portion of that book is that one sheet of like, who are you? Get it on one page, core right. focus, narrow your energy to doing a few things really well, getting your core values written down. Is that the kind of stuff that you think you're doing when you're working with people or is it beyond that? I I'm totally sure think that. that. So I actually kind of consult off of a model that I've okay. built over the last, I don't know, 20 years where what I did was I studied championship teams okay. in basketball, baseball, can relate. hockey, all of them, <laughs> right? And then I studied championship companies mm. that were on Forbes, Fortune, right? And what I was searching for was, what is the common DNA that allows businesses and sports teams to sustain success, build a, leg a legacy of leadership, and to have a culture of being a champion? And what I found was that there were six key ingredients. And I actually kind of called it the power of one because when these six key ingredients are clear and aligned 
in fact, they uh, kind of pick up right where your name is. They become unstoppable. Yes. Right? I love how you tie that in. So is that what we're going to be covering today? The I think six so. ingredients? These six ingredients, I think they're just so powerful. And sometimes they get overlooked because people are like, it can't be that simple. I'm like, hey, look, sometimes the hardest things in life is to make it that simple so that it can relate to anyone from a 60-year-old to a 16-year-old, yeah. especially when we're talking the restaurant industry. And um, maybe you can relate to this because we've shared similar paths because we do this. We did the same thing where I'm still doing it. You've done it where you're going and you're, and I'm sure you're still studying people and studying success. It never stops. Right. Uh, but early on when I first started this podcast, maybe five or six years into it, like four or five years ago, I, I remember just feeling very overwhelmed and very stressed because I learned so much and so much of what I've learned is contradictive to other things that I've learned. For example, the secret is to like, say yes all the time. Have you heard that? No. You've probably also heard say no often, right? <laughs> right. So that's just one example of like, which one is it? You right, know? And I right. found that coming up over and over again. And, the, and you're looking for like these secrets, like, the, the, right. the, like the, what is the code? What? But the more you look, the more you realize that there's really no secret. And it's the things that you hear all the time that we all are aware of, like work hard. It's that simple. Or right. you know what I'm saying? Like, at, right. like work like did you find the same thing? I kind of find, you know, I love the fact that yeah. I think we have a lot of similarities because we're constantly honing our craft. Yeah. Like I believe that you should stay true to your roots, but you should still be relevant in your world. Right. Because there's a lot of people that stay very true to their roots and this is what we did in nineteen ninety and this is what we did in two thousand. Okay, that's that's beautiful. But that in today's world may not be relevant. So mm-hmm. honor your past, but also be relevant in your present, because that's how you accelerate your you know, your future. So what I tend to look at is, you know, how do people continue to evolve? And sometimes evolution is not adding more as much as it's simplifying more yes. and clarifying yeah. more. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is the people raising canes, perfect example. Totally. Do one thing really well. <laughs> the perfect box. Yeah, like you can choose to try to be everything to everybody or know what you want to be good at and and just own that one thing, put all of your energy into one thing. What's going through your head? Right. Well, that's, I think it proves it time and time again. And I think like even coming out of COVID, where did people excel? People excelled when they connected back to their purpose, when they connected back to their hospitality, and when they connected back to being the place for the people in their community. Mm. Those businesses excelled. The ones that struggled were the ones that decided that they were going to be all things to all people. So one day we're selling this style of food. Now we're going to add this style of food and we're going to add this style of food. Okay, let's just come back to the fundamentals, right? Do what you do and do it really well, but again, keep it relevant. So if you need online or ordering, if you need delivery, if you need all these other types of service elements, add that. That makes you relevant. But Mm. don't abandon what got you to the party to begin with. Got it. Awesome. So let's just get right into it. Number one. Number one on the six key ingredients for success. Yes. Okay. I'm going to start with this one. It's called the power of one vision. The power of one vision. And this kind of comes back to the clearer the leader, the clearer the team. One of the things I think is hard for founders and for people that are trying to grow their businesses is they see, like you're saying, they see the world of opportunities, right? So when everything's an opportunity, nothing's an opportunity. It actually paralyzes us in our position. I see Sam shaking his head over there right now. We had a talk on the way over here talking about the vision because this is something that we're literally going through right now. And I relate to that because you want to do so much. And in your mind as as an entrepreneur, you're like, ah, you can stack it all on. You can like do it in order, right? Like, I, like I'm this today, but later that can lead to this, right? Right. And then you get distracted. 
Exactly. That's why I think Jim Collins was right. He said the enemy of good, the enemy of good is great or the enemy of great is good, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Because as entrepreneurs, we could be good at a lot of things. Yeah. The question is, what do we want to be great at? Yeah. And that's where vision, it serves as that true north. It mm-hmm. serves as that true north on the good days, the bad days, and all the days in between. But when we have that vision, that, that thing that we're going to aspire to be, you know, without getting all caught up in how we're going to do it or what we have to get to get there. But when we get that, that is our true north. And it allows us to stay. It doesn't mean that we have to have blinders to everything else, but it allows us to understand that all the decisions we're making, are they adding to that or are they taking away from that? Yeah. Um, so when you have this vision, when you're trying to figure out your vision, what's the, uh, the way to achieve it? What's, how do you, what's a good practice to kind of get that onto paper? Love that question. Yeah. I always ask people this question. 10 years from now, what would you want someone to say about your business? Now, if they don't know that answer, I'll say 10 years from now, how would you, what impact would you want your business to have in your community or for your team members or in your own life? Right. And 10 years from now, if you were on TV, what would you want to say you're most proud of your business? Mm. Because sometimes we get caught up in our day to day. Sometimes we get caught up in how is this going to happen? And sometimes we have to give ourselves the permission to think bigger than the moment because it takes a lot of work to grow something, as you know, 960 episodes in here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's big vision. Mm hmm. You know, and when you think about it, vision kind of connects with our purpose too. I've always wanted to positively impact the people I work with in the industry that I love. So when you start to think about it, it helps you stay a little bit more focused because as the leader, you want it the clearer the leader, the clearer the team. But it also doesn't, you know, sometimes people say, well, if I pick a vision, then I'm going to be limited. Well, that's because you picked a too low of a vision. When you pick a big vision, you can pack still a lot in there and not lose track of your, yeah. your true north. I've heard it's like, it's very similar to creative writing, right? Because really you're turning on that that creative prefrontal cortex and, and, and it's that you're you're basically writing a story of yourself in the future and you need that creativity. And like, what what is, how do we start that process? Right. Such a great question. So here's a couple of things that I think about. One is if I always believe that a vision should pass a 16 year old test, meaning if a 16 year old person cannot understand your vision, then you have to go back to the drawing board because mm-hmm. either you've made it too complex, too long, or you've put a lot of words in there that nobody can relate to. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so you have to be able to do that first. I think the second thing you have to, you know, so that's one of the outcomes. I think the second thing you have to do is give your permission to give yourself permission to really think big. Yeah. Like how big is big and not get all caught up in, well, I'd have to do this. And, okay. Okay. It's not going to be about you right now. It's just about how big can big be? Mm. Give yourself that permission. Yeah. And then I think it's about, when you give yourself that permission, start looking at like when you write that paragraph or when you write that page, start looking for those themes in there. What matters most to you? And how do you get that down into less than 12 words? Because when you have something, a vision that's less than 12 words, that means every word that you wrote matters. Yeah, but it's not going to start with 12 words. No, never does. <laughs> and I think that's... Sometimes it starts with hundreds of words. Exactly. And that's kind of what I've learned in having conversations with people and, and having dialogue and, and within the Restaurant Unstoppable Network with members about who are going through this process. Just start writing. Just start Just writing. start getting it out. And it's going to be five, 10 pages and then narrow that down to a page and then narrow that down to 12 words, right? Right. Yeah. 
Because it's not that Jerry Maguire moment where he's writing the manifesto. I mean, you write a manifesto because it's what gets you to clarity. You got to get it all out. But once it's out, then you have to take a step back and say, okay, 10 years from now, what do I want people to say about my business? Beautiful. What impact do I want to have? Any other notes, any other key takeaways in this idea of the power of one vision? I think the only thing I would say is that I challenge all my clients that I work with, you know, it gets rough because you want to abandon ship. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, we've been working on this for, you know, a day. We've been working on this. You've been making us think about it for a week. We've been, you know, wearing it around and testing it with people for a month, which is still a relatively short period of time relative to how some other processes could work, right? But at the end of the day, I think you have to think about the vision of, yes, it's your vision, but as you start to hire people, as you start to develop your leadership team, are they sharing your vision? Because the one thing that I always say to people are two great key points is, please don't let, if we come into your company, don't let every single department in the company have their own vision, because then we don't have one shared vision. We have a vision for accounting and a vision for marketing, and that's not one shared vision. And then the second thing I always tell people is, man, think about it. You want to live your vision. It should be simple, powerful, and memorable so we could live it, we could teach it, and we could coach it. But if you make it so long that we have to carry it in a little card and we're constantly pulling it out of our back pant pocket, which is like pulling your vision out of your, you know, and you don't get any and daylight Brandon there. And Brandon literally had a card that he had on him with that was right because there. they live it yeah. there right so if you're gonna do it live it teach it coach it but yeah. don't force like i was at one place where they said to everybody you can't come into the holiday party unless you can repeat the vision and all of our core values i love that you know three people weren't able to go to the holiday party oh, at that point man what what are you doing yeah you're not living it or leaving yeah. it you're you know insisting on but that's it. a big part of what i was hoping and i think you're getting there now is that <clears throat> it's not enough just to write this down no and say, this is our vision. A vision's meant to be shared. It's it meant is. to be echoed. It's meant to be resurfaced as much as yes. possible. It should be the core DNA of everything in your culture. Like, you know, when you think about recruiting, you know, I think about the great companies that I've worked with. We recruited people that shared in that vision. So when you think about the power of one, uh, you know, the power of one again, ingredient number one is vision. Ingredient number two is team. Okay. Right? So I've got to be bringing people onto my team that believe in my vision, yeah. right? Yeah. Otherwise, what the heck is happening here? I have a couple more questions about vision. I'm, yeah, I'm totally. giving away all of your good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when it comes to vision, is this something that is done by one person? Is it up to one person to, 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 to brainstorm this, to write it down, and then deliver it? Or is it a group effort? You know, uh, that's a great question. Sometimes it depends on how big of a company it is. And sometimes it depends on where the company is, you know, kind of in its own journey, right? Mm -hmm. Where the founder or the leader might be in their own journey. So I have worked on vision statements when it's been a very small company with one or two people, right? However, in every one of these circumstances, we still took it out to, if they only had 10 people working for them, we took it out to the 10 people. You know, we'd, I'd ask them to go share it with their friends and their family because the more feedback you can get in that kind of incubator state, the stronger your vision becomes, right? Um, I've done it with large groups of people. Now in large groups of people, you're trying to, you know, kind of facilitate a lot of different perspectives, which I always find exciting because we're, again, still trying to get everybody on one shared vision. So in that process, one of the 
one of the key goals is to really make sure that everybody who's participating truly is participating in in, in 100% and 100% engaged. So it is becomes a shared yeah. vision. And when they leave that meeting, it is a shared vision. It's not somebody out in the hallway still saying, I wish we would have done that. Okay, look, yeah, you know, we're shared vision. Yeah. We, we start as one, we yeah. leave as one. I love that. One more question on vision before yep. we move on. This is something I recently... Um, was a, a, challenge, a challenge for me. So there's vision, like the company vision, 10 year vision, right? Yep. And then I think you can also think about vision on a small scale, right? Like vision for a new project mm-hmm. or vision for a task that needs to be done. Like, Hey, if you're delegating something, Hey, go do this. So how do you, where I'm going with this is how do you find the balance between de- delegating and leaving room for like that person to like find the, the solution or to, to do it on their own? How do I say this? You want to, how do you find the balance between, Hey, go do this and, but do it to the standard. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, yeah. okay, thanks. That's great. But that's not what I asked you to do. Yeah. Do, so does vision come in there too? I'll tell you what, to me, you know, we have a vision for a company. Yeah. I really think there's only one vision the company has. Right. And then the goal is, is to teach coach and lead people to understand why their role, how their role and what the work they do connects to helping us fulfill our vision. Now, sometimes what that means is how are we delivering the message? And I have this uh, methodology I use called CEO, right? When I want to delegate, I'm giving you clarity. I'm sharing with you the expectations of what to our standards. And we're also sharing in our vision of what the outcome is. Okay. So that way, I, as the leader, am still keeping it aligned to the vision, but I'm also delivering the delegation or the project or whatever the case may be with high levels of clarity, high levels of expectation, and a, a shared understanding of what the outcome should be. So when you're delegating, you want to give them the destination. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. How you end up there is up to you. Can be. Right. Got because it. sometimes somebody With has some a better, guidelines. right. Yeah. Like little guardrails. Yeah. Right. You know, sometimes because sometimes people are going to come up with a better how yeah. than I do. Right. Yeah. And I'm all about that. Yeah. So, but if we can be clear about what we're doing and we also share what the outcome is somewhere in yeah. the middle with the expectation is it could be get it done in this time frame, get it done to the standard. With this budget. Right. Because then you have, here you go, boss. I did what you, you asked me to. Uh, here's the receipts for $10,000. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where sometimes <laughs> I think innovation which is really good but it doesn't have to take you off the rail a a vision should be a fair it should be like the moon it should be a fairly solid thing that you can see on a regular basis even though the shading may change at times all right so the first of the six what are these called again the six it's called the power of one and it's how we accelerate businesses the power of one vision the power of one uh and these are of the six total what's the key for for these six pack that you're talking so it's called the it well it's actually the power of one platform for accelerating businesses okay right so because when you think about the power of one it's the ultimate of clarity and alignment because if i have clarity and alignment around a vision well that takes care of one big chunk. Okay. Right. So, so if the, the, the power of one is number one, what's number two on the list? Okay. So the power of one is like a, the, a number one coming down and vision is at the top of the list. Yeah. Then the next key Got ingredient it. is team. Got it. The power of one team. Okay. So we unpackaged the first of the power of one, which is vision. Yep. What's the second element of the power of one? The second element is the power of one team. Got it. So I have to have one team rowing in one boat going towards one vision. Got it. So dive deeper into that. So when I have worked with companies, one of the um, 
there's a couple things, right? Why does a company accelerate? It accelerates when all the leaders are on the same page going in the same direction. Yes. Why does a company derail? It's when you have four people on the leadership team and three are going in one direction and one has decided that that's not the direction they want to go. So now we have to spend our time negotiating, you know, whose position is right. We have to start spending time on what I call drama, clutter, and crap that comes with misalignment. Yeah. And the leader has to now start spending time trying to organize everyone through compromise, right? And so when that starts to happen, the time that that team could be accelerating the business, the team is now working on trying to work through you know, and I'm not saying that people should be eunuchs and not agree with each other. But if I'm on a leadership team, we should, you know, technically we should all be going in the same direction. Yeah. We may have our own styles. We may have our own individual tendencies. We may have our own ways that we like to do things. But we should all share in that same common vision that we're trying to build a great company. Okay. So is this kind of like this reminds me of um, Jim Collins, uh, good to great, all, you know, all people on the bus, you know, you want to get the people on the right. bus, but you also want them in the right seat. Is that what you mean by team? It's a little bit like that, okay. right? So, so think about this. When a company is starting out, they're hiring all these people, right? Now the question is, are those people and, and teams go through natural evolutions, right? They, they, if you look at some of the research, they go through a storming, forming, norming, performing stage, right? Everyone's kind of familiar with that. So that's a natural part of any team, whether it's in being business or sports, right? Forming, storming, norming. However, part of forming, storming, and norming is that we're trying to get you to form, storm, norm, and perform so that we can accelerate our business, right? If we're spending a lot of time in storming and forming because we're not getting along, then that says to me, either we have to be clear about our vision, we have to be, you know, focus more on alignment. And, you know, when you think about great sports teams, you know, we always know when we watch a sports team, who's playing for the team and who's playing for themselves. Mm. Same thing in business. Are we all playing for the team? Or are we just playing for ourselves? Got you. And I think you said that a, a couple different ways. I want to make sure I have it written down right for the notes and the, right. the show notes. It's, 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 it's storm, form, then norm. And then ultimately perform. Perform. And that's, I'm assuming, brainstorming, dreaming up the, like the vision. The, yep. And then normalizing it by, or sorry, forming, forming. the process. Organizing. And organizing and then norming, creating. Behaviors. Got it. And then performing is accelerating. So what I'm really hearing is you know, it's not enough just to have a vision. This is kind of where the idea of sharing that vision and making sure that everyone understands the vision. And how, yes, and how it relates to them. And, and their how, role. And yes, and how their role contributes for us achieving this, Got right? It. Where do people struggle with this the most? I think where people struggle with this the most is that, um, they their hardest time is letting go of the person on the team who's a really good person, mm. but not a fit. Yeah, and good, right, you know, right person, wrong seat on the bus. Exactly. Yeah. And now we start to work around them. We start to accommodate. We start to do a lot of things. This is why people always get to kind of this point. They go like, "Hey, Kathleen, you're not in HR, are you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I'm a growth strategist." So, uh, 
but but my reason for that is is because not to be hardcore about it, but it's tough. It's tough to let a good person go. Yeah. You know, it's easy to let the jerk go, but it's really hard to let a good person who unfortunately the business just started to grow and they you know, it grew past them and we don't have a place for them. Yeah. Or we've tried a couple of seats on the bus. And it doesn't mean that they've done anything wrong. It just means that the business has yeah. just accelerated. And yeah. I think, you know, that's a big part of why I work with companies because they want to accelerate their growth. And I think one of the hardest decisions for a leader to make is when they're when they when they see their vision. Yeah. It's being and, held up by one and, person. Yeah. And I kind of have this rule, not a rule, but my kind of thought process is one person should not hold back the greater good of all the other people that are coming there every day. Yeah. So how do we keep them whole? How do we keep them, you know, how do we treat them with respect and dignity? But how do we either find another seat on the bus or potentially another bus that they can enjoy life? Life is short. Yeah. Why do you want to be miserable? And I love where you went with that. And, and this is something that's come up on the show. Sometimes you just have to say no to people. And that might be hard because right. they could be the best people. Yes. But at the same time, if they're not in the right seat, then what good are you doing them? Right. If they're not in the, the vertical that they belong in. And if you get the, you know, a lot of times when you, and I'll use myself as an example because we've all been there. Sometimes through going through tribulation and trials, like you reveal your weaknesses or you discover your weaknesses. I was a commercial pilot for the time that I was 18 to 26, you know, wow. and at the age of 26, I kind of had to come to terms with, look, I'm not really meant to be a commercial pilot. I'm dyslexic. I have color. I'm colorblind. I have ADHD and like I could fly the plane. Well, like I was a good stick, but when it came to like having to like do math and like plug in numbers, I would literally put numbers in backwards sometimes. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I wanted to become a commercial pilot is because I wanted to prove to people that I could do it, you know, but I, cause I, you know, cause I, it was more of a, an insecurity for myself, but, but by going through like forcing myself into my weaknesses every day made me so friggin' aware of my weaknesses, but it also revealed my strengths and my right. strengths were people wanted to see me be successful because they liked me and I was a good person and I tried hard and I made a good, I made it a good time, you know, right. and I was on the wrong path trying to be a commercial pilot because I was leaning into my weaknesses when I should have been leaning into my strengths, which is more social, emotional intelligence situations. So wow. I got off that path. And I started leaning into my strengths and you can do that for somebody. You can help, you can through witnessing them, you're going to see their weaknesses. You're also going to see their strengths. Right. What I'm trying to say. I love that. So, you know, Eric, what kind of courage did that take to walk away though from being a couple of anxiety attacks, $200,000 worth of school loan debt. You know, it it wasn't an easy decision. Right. (laughs) It's well, you know what though? You just pointed it out. That's why it's, not an easy decision to tell someone they don't have the right seat on the bus, yeah. right? It takes courage and it takes that commitment to your vision, right? And then it takes that courage and that commitment to your personal vision as well as your business vision. And But it is not easy. I, I would tell you, um, I recently wrote a book called Founderology mm-hmm. and it's from 20 years of working with small, you know, I, I define founders as small business owners, founders, franchise franchisees people that have a concept and they want to uh, they want to grow it right and in one of the chapters I really do talk about the the single hardest decision that a founder has to make is letting that good person go yeah but when you look at the research the research will show like fortune I think it was fortune who did the research several years ago and they asked all these CEOs 
what was their heart, what's one decision you wish you would have done again? And they said, we wish we would have let the person closest to us leave when we knew it was time for them versus keeping them with us longer than it was necessary. Yeah. One more analogy that I want yeah. to echo from Danny Meyer. Love and this that. wasn't straight. I wish it was straight from the horse's mouth, but it wasn't. It was through <laughs> David Dressler, which was also a great, I mean, amazing. You know, David Tender Greens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had David on the show and uh, Tender Greens was acquired by Union Square Hospitality Group. Nice. Um, and they during that 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 evolution of being acquired by Union Square, like they had to go through organizational changes. And this was a big challenge is they had somebody like this on their team. And the, the analogy that Danny Meyer used is, look, sometimes when a tree grows, it has to, it needs to shed bark in order to grow. And that's the only way. And it's good for the tree and it needs to happen. And I think that's the mentality. It's, it was a great, it was a beautiful analogy that he used. I think that's a good way to kind of round this off unless you want to add. I totally agree with you. I think, you know, Danny Meyer hits it right out of the ball all the time. And I think that that's a beautiful analogy. Beautiful. Uh, number three. So this, this, the, the power of one vision team and what's number three direction direction get into it okay so here's one of the things i always hear in my business that there's a four-letter word it's called plan and i was like what most people say it's not plan kathleen it's pain i'm like okay look they're both p words but one's productive and the other one's counterproductive so to me you know one of the one of the greatest gifts somebody could do when they're growing their business is to develop a plan when I think about the most successful people that I've had the pleasure of working with in my career, they are people that understand the significance of planning. Because when we plan, we can share you know, what our goals are, what our objectives are, what are our success metrics. And it doesn't have to be secret and it doesn't have to be you know, somewhere way over here in a mystery area on the hard drive. It can actually be something that we can be transparent about and we can share with people what the roadmap for success looks like. When we have a plan, we can share it with people direction. We can share with people where their career paths might lead them to. We can share, you know, where we could accelerate. We can also identify when we've kind of derailed ourselves without having to completely derail ourselves. So I think when you have that in a document, you know, in any sort of, and I'm not, again, I'm not a big like, hey, we need a a 5,000 page plan. I can do plans on one page, a three-year plan on a one-page document so that we just all have our strategic focus for where we're going. Yeah. What is that? Where do we, okay, we all, we're in the boardroom. We're all sitting down. Let's make a plan. What's the first thing that happens? The first thing is we have to check in. Where's our vision? Let's start with that, right? Second, we have to look at kind of a SWOT analysis. Where are we winning and where are we, where's our opportunity, where are we winning, where are opportunities, and what do we need to be thinking about that we're not even thinking about with our threats? If you're not familiar with the SWOT analysis, real quick, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Correct. So just ask where are the strengths, what are our strengths, Strengths. what are our weaknesses, what, where are the opportunities and what are the challenges or threats? Exactly. So let's kind of level set on where we are. Let's look at our vision. Let's level set on where we are today, right? And once we can do that, now we know, okay, here's where we are. There's where we want to go. Now, what are the priorities that will get us? What are, what are our priorities to get us there? And when I think about a plan, I always think that it has to have these key elements. Are you from the South, by the way? No. But I spent a lot of time in Louisiana. Okay. The priorities, I thought I had a little twang in <laughs> it. always there. does. Like, <laughs> so what are those priorities, right? And so the first thing we want to look at, you know, when I think about a plan, I'm thinking about it relative to what's the organizational plan? What's, you know, if you think about the elements of it, what's the organization look like? What's the operations look like? 
what's the finance look like, what's the brand look like, and what's the growth look like. And if we can't answer what the, where we want those to look in the end of the next year or where we want those to look like in the next three years or where we'd like those to look in the next five, then let's, you know, let's refocus. So the framing one more time, I think I might've missed one, but it's the organizational plan, the operation plan, financial plan, brand, uh, brand marketing. Okay. The brand plan and the growth plan. Right. Got it. And when you have those components, those are the essential components of a great plan. Got it. Right. So if I said, Hey, uh, somebody, one time I had the CEO say, look, Kathleen, we're going to give you a half a day to do our five-year strategic planning. I was like, wow, okay, that's a lot of prep time on that, right? Yeah. But the reality was he personally didn't think that planning was worthwhile. His team, because sometimes when you're the leader, you you already got the plan in your mind, but the plan's not for you. It's for the team so that the team knows what the roadmap is, right? And I always give this analogy. Look, we're in Chicago and we want to get to California. There are a million ways for us to get to California. And you might go one way, Eric, and I might go another way. But the reality of it is we want the best way, the most yeah. efficient and the most effective. We got to invest a little time and figure that out. So I kind of want to get selfish here and use myself as – because I'm literally in the process of going through this right now. I'm building right. a team around myself. Nice. And we're looking to, to get, go to the next level. And I've been – kind of just doing a lot of self-reflection and like, am I doing what I want to do before I commit this giant project? Is that what I want to do or should I be focusing on what I love to do? And that's my core focus. Right. Um, so man, I think it might be way too much. I might just have to like, see if you are willing to do this another time, but I'm going through (laughs) this right now. So like, I'm like listening, like, I'm like, I'm super excited. Like this is good advice. I I literally need to, when I get back to New Hampshire after this road trip, it's my homework to to develop a 10 year plan. I will send you, I will send you my very simple format to help you at least get your creative juices going. So I'm just going through like the SWOT analysis on me and when I, and using myself as an example, because that's all I know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. I think my strengths, and it's weird for me to talk about myself, but I would say my strengths are what I, this is my strength. Yes. Um, being a podcast, being willing and desiring to live on the road and to be across the table from people. And I also, and this is also feels weird for me to say too, is I think that I have a really solid North compass of like a, a moral compass of like, this is right. This is wrong. These are my values. And I put everything I do through my values. And and I think that's that helps keep a lot of integrity in what I do. Totally. So I'm like, that's it. That's what I should be doing. Um, but I feel like there's opportunity because from other people who I've gone to who are like, you need a product. You don't have a product. You have a product. You sell ad space to to sponsors. But like, what is it that you sell your target market? Right. I'm like, can I just have a freaking podcast? Like, can I just? Isn't that not enough? But I'm going through this like so with my strengths. I'm kind of getting distracted. Weaknesses is probably that I get distracted. <laughs> you know, like is that like I see shiny yeah, objects and yeah, I'm like, totally. oh, like that's an opportunity. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, so I'm going through this right now. And then I think opportunities, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities is that I'm the number one if you like Google search. So like I should lean, yeah. I'm already the lean into what you're already known for, right? Right. Um, and then the threats would be there's a lot more podcasts coming out there. So maybe I should focus on being even better. 
So it's so fascinating. So Juan, thanks for sharing this. Really fascinating. And, you know, again, in my book, I actually dedicate a whole section to shiny objects and why they they are so beautiful, but yet so distracting, (laughs) right? But the other thing, I I just kind of unpack a couple things you said, Eric. One is, I really do people I really do believe that people should do what they love. Because when you do what you want, it's, oh my gosh, but you know, (laughs) because it's just, you know, want kind of turns into obligation, obligation turns into burden. Love Mm. helps us to continue to innovate, to continue to be inspiring, to continue. fills you. It totally fills the spirit. When I think about you and all of the, uh, and I'm blessed to be counted in it, but all the amazing people that you have met, the lessons you have shared with people, the impact you're making on everyone that listens to your podcast. I mean, that's the gift, Mm. right? Now, whether or not you decide, hey, I have all this content and how I monetize it, to me, that comes back to the power of planning. Mm. Because one great thing about planning is we can figure it all out on pieces of paper or on a, you know, some sort of a software way before we have to spend energy or time actually transforming it. Mm. You know, the goal is to get, you know, again, it comes back to clear the leader, clear the team, clear the business, right? When the leader has a, you know, when the leader kind of brings everybody together and works through a plan together, yeah, they can see the good, the bad, and the ugly way before they have to experience yeah. it. Yeah, I think where I struggle is I'm good at like being like, this is what I want. Like this is, this is where, like, this is what's possible. Like developing those big, hairy, audacious goals and dreaming. I'm a Friggin' great dreamer where I struggle is like, okay, how exactly are we going to get there? So Simon Sinek calls this a why guy versus right. a how guy. Right. Gary Vaynerchuk calls this. You live in the clouds versus you live in the dirt. And I, I recognize this about myself, but I feel like there's that hurdle that I have to get over. So what happened? What if you're like me and you're good about saying, this is where I want to go, but I'm not sure how to get there. What do you do? Yeah. So to me, I always take that. So I'll say, this is where you want to go. That's the destination, Vision, right? Yeah. So now how do we break, how do we like, how do we break it back down? Yeah. Cause I kind of have this other philosophy. Nobody eats a sandwich in one bite cause yeah. they choke. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the same thing with planning. Yeah. You can have the, you could see your sandwich, no doubt, but now you got to backtrack it back. So what's the first step we, you know, what's the first step that we have to take? Part of it is just framing up. Like if I wanted to be there, and I have my SWOT analysis of where I am right now, where would I need to focus to shore up my weaknesses? Or what would I need to go get more information about to really see if it was an opportunity? And then how do I put that into a little bitty financial model to see if it foots right? Mm. And if it doesn't foot right, what do I innovate or create? Because I really want to do it. I love doing it. So what do I have to innovate to make it fit? And that's when, when the frontal lobe kicks on and starts totally. solving problems. Right. Most people, I think, shortchange themselves because they get stuck in the suck of how. Yeah. Well, they also say they have this mentality of, I can't do that. That's not possible. And when you take on that mentality, you literally are giving permission to shut your frontal lobe off because it it's a hungry little beast up there right. takes a lot of energy right. and we want to conserve energy. So the natural process is shut this thing off. You're not using it. You've already figured out that you can't do it. But if you say instead of I can't do it, but how, 
how can I do this? You, you keep it on. You reverse the, so you reverse the, like I talk about what's the input. The mm. input to me is innovation. It goes back to not how stopping me, but how innovating. Got it. Man, this is a lot of That's fun. That's good, Kathleen. Eric. You, did, Eric I'm so, <laughs> you know, I'm super excited for you because you really are at this kind of, you know, this kind of a interesting moment because you have been a thought leader, a podcast leader for 900 and some 60 episodes here. So it, it kind of comes back to this idea. You have these really deep roots and how do you want to continue to keep it relevant? And I think that's one of the greatest opportunities we have when we have our businesses. Yeah, I think I need to book an hour with you just for selfish reasons, <laughs> just to go deeper on this. But Anytime I'm being self- with you, Eric. You know, you're such a good man. Anytime <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. I think now's a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors, unless we missed anything in terms of direction. No, let's take our first break. All right. Oh, wait, is it direct? Direction, yep. team, yeah, vision, team, direction. Yep. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. Look, I don't need to explain to you that restaurants have been hit hard over the past few years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity. This is because it uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like, can I make a reservation or where are you located or what are your hours? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. Within the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guests hear and even send follow-up links via text message pop menu answering picks up your phone call 24 7 365 days a year allowing you and your team to focus on what matters most your guests in-house the time is now to prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off your first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month and learn more about pop menus, full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. All right, we're back. We're talking about the six, the power of one, the, the six elements of the power of one. We've covered vision. We've covered team. Now we're going to talk. We covered direction. And now we're going to talk about systems. Systems. All right. You can't scale if you don't have systems, no. right? Yep. So think about this, Eric. You know, you're a founder. I'm a founder. In our minds, we see everything so clearly. The question is, why doesn't everybody just see what we see, yeah. right? Like, I see the whole track. Yeah. You know, come on. You know, so as much as we've advanced with technology, you know, people still can't read minds. And sometimes that can be very frustrating if you're a founder or a business leader. And that's why, to me, systems, yeah. you know, um, getting people clear and aligned on systems allows us to scale. Because when you really think about what derails a business, it's going to be one of three things, people, process, or systems. We don't have the right people in the right place. We don't have a process for planning, and we don't have systems that allow us to scale. 
Yeah. And when you really think about it, think about McDonald's. They're like the ultimate in systems. You know, how can a Big Mac be made the same way everywhere? You know, there's not a lot of interpretive dancing with the Big Mac. Everyone, it has a system. You know, even if you look at like uh, the coffee companies, and there's so many of them, how can they have a menu but yet let every customer customize their particular beverage? Yeah. Because they have a system to do that. And to me, that's sometimes when we're growing businesses, um, you know, systems are, they take time to develop, right? And they have some, you know, we get some good systems and then we get some systems that need a lot of work on them. But if we could really, if we could really think about that, it's like we want to lay a railroad track down so that we could run our openings or our rollouts or whatever else we want, but it takes first laying the system out. Yeah. This is something that, again, this is also relative to me. Like when you're doing something by yourself for so long, you know how to oh, do yeah. it. You can wake up, you've done it so many times, you just go through the motions. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes time to delegating that, you're like, okay, now you do this. And like you hand them the project and they were like, what do I do? So you yes. need that step-by-step journey to get from point A to point B. First, you unlock the door. Second, you turn the turn or, or maybe first clock in, right? <laughs> right Second, right. before you start making people do work. But it needs to be that silly because yeah. people off the distractions happen too. Yes. Things fall through the cracks. Yes. Uh, so when you're thinking about creating systems for an entire restaurant where there's so many Things that happen have, have to happen every day between just opening or closing or consistency in recipes and doing cooking the food, consistency in the service that you're doing. Right. Where do you start? What's the process for starting the the, the right the, the systems, process right? of creating process? So I kind of think it. You know, believe it or not, I kind of think it's a lot like our heart. Mm-hmm. Right. We have four major arteries. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't have those, it really doesn't matter about the veins or the capillaries, yep. if you kind of put it in, sight, you know, in science language, right? So if I think about the four major arteries of a restaurant, I have an opening list, opening checklist. I have a closing checklist, right? I have a manager's to-do list. Yep. And I might have something that's super important, could be the inventory system. Got it. But we've got to get the fundamentals of how to run you know, those fundamental systems in place. Yeah. Because a lot of times people, people will develop systems from a point of pain. Yeah. Like I am so sick of telling these people how to do their side work, right? Okay, that's the, okay so I'm going to write a system because... I don't want to talk about side work ever again. Okay, A, got it, roger that. However, if we develop a system with purpose, we would really say, where in the opening checklist, where in the manager's checklist, and I'm not saying that we should have checklist ever, but where is it that we're checking to see if the side work's being done? Yeah. Where is it that we're checking to see the if the server's been the checklist trained? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Where's so the, there's layers of it. That's right. And yeah. where, where's it in the training program that they learn how to do the side yeah. work? And does the trainer know? So now we're doing a little bit more of a root cause analysis, yeah. right? So, you know, when I think about it, I always want to say, look, what what is the thing that will drive us with purpose versus getting all wound up on the things that are painful? Because yeah. sometimes the painful things, they're just nuisances that can be taken care of if we focus on the bigger picture. Got it. Um, I have so many questions. I'm trying to figure out which one to ask first. So when it comes to are there I mean, do we go here now or do we save it for later? I think might as well unpackage now. Are there systems that you know, technologies that you know of that help with organizing? Are you are you on the bandwagon of using technology to manage? I am. 
I okay. am. Look, I, I've always believed that managers should be thinkers. I really do think that. And uh, just a little bit of use films. But I, I, I believe that because they have, you cannot possibly give a manager a checklist for every single thing that's going to happen in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And today, when you think about the complexity of the business, you know, managers, man, they, they have, they are rowing in strong headwinds for so many different reasons, right? So in my mind, I am a big believer of how do we blend technology in person and, you know, support tools to help them be the most successful they can be. Yeah. Because to say it has to be this way or that way, I think just cuts you off from engaging half of the half the people in your team. Yeah. Because some people learn visually. Some people learn with technology. Some people want to write it down. Okay, why do we have to get caught up in it having to be – all I care about is whatever – the delivery method is let's just make sure the content is the same because that's how we get to one system. Got it. Um, so there's a couple systems I know of that I think are really overlooked sometimes uh, that I, th- I would like to bring. You mentioned inventory, which is right. huge. You mentioned just opening and closing and like to do lists per, per per role, right? right. Like, these are your responsibilities. These are your responsibilities every day. You have to do these things. I get right. that. I think that people overlook the process. Uh, or a system for cash flow management, yep. which is a big one that you should do from the before you ever open. Like, what's our process for managing cash flow? Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of profit first. Oh, love profit first. I'm a huge. I'm, I'm just throwing book. these systems out there because, yep. in my mind, look, you can choose to create all of your systems from scratch, or you can plug systems no. in. Yeah. And I think when it comes to like profit first is a great, I, I use it, and I think another one is the entrepreneurial operating system. Yep. Gino Wickman. Yep. Um, a lot of that is being echoed in what you're sharing right now, but I think there's there's systems for communication and for meetings that I think yes. the restaurant industry falls short in. And there's some great, like they call it level 10 meetings and stuff like yep. that. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm stepping on your toes. With no, you I offer. totally get that. Yeah. But like, but I think there's these, I, the, the idea of systems goes beyond like, Oh, inventory opening, closing, right, right. you need systems for cash flow. You need systems for communication. And I think that that's a great resource and tool for if you don't have a solution yet. And then, also, I think we need to mention tech stack. Um, totally. So you can go again, build all these systems from scratch, and there's tools and resources for you to do that. Restaurantowner.com, for example, like right. you can plug those existing systems into your restaurant, or you can go take technology that's been built on a platform and like 10x whatever system you could ever build on your own. What do I? What goes right. through my mind as I say that? So a couple things go through my mind. One, it comes back to planning. Right. Because I could bring so many point solution systems into a business that I overwhelm the operators of that business because now they have to learn this language, this language, this language, this language. So I am a big believer in what you're talking about, Eric, in terms of tech stacks. Right. I'm also a big believer in preserving your culture. Right. Because if I start bringing in the language of this group and the language of this group and the language of this group and the language of this group, at what point are we speaking the language of our group? Got it. Right. So I think that when you come back to planning and its relationship to systems, you know, I started with the simple systems. If I could only build a few for to open a restaurant, what would I do? Those would be mine, yeah. right? And I, and I understand some some resources are, are out of reach for certain right. people. So then when you think about scaling a business, though, this is where I think technology has enabled so many people, to your point, accelerate, yeah. right? Like they're a great – like if we come back to like just inventory, 
there's our, you know, Restaurant Systems Pro. There's Restaurant 365 for county and payroll. There's, you know, I happen to be a fan of Toast, the POS system, because I think that they're, you Great know, building, building something that makes everything possible to yeah. integrate, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I got to give a shout out to Restaurant Systems Pro, sponsors of the show. Thank you oh. very much. If you are interested in Restaurant Systems Pro, please reach out to us and make sure that they know you came our way and that'll help us out a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, they made this road trip possible. Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're great so, people over there. So think about it from the planning perspective, right? We've got five. So when you think about it with the five elements of a plan, what's our financial system? What's our operational system? What's our organizational system? What's our marketing system? Yep. And what's our growth system? And then when we cross correlate that, what can we use technology to do to accelerate that? What can we build to support that? And then how can we cross-reference all of that so we're not overburdening the organization? Yeah, I'm tempted to go further on this, but we still have two more I know, elements you're to doing talk so, about. This, this is so much fun, Eric. Thank yeah, I'm you having so a blast. Much, I'm glad you're having but a But I time. love this discussion because I think that's where people get sideways with it. You know, yeah. they're like, you know, like um, one of the things I always hear first from people is we need a training system. Yeah. Because our people aren't doing things right. Okay, I totally get that. But yeah. man, it's not about training. It's about you, your systems. <laughs> yeah, it's really your interviewing process okay. is, you know, part of it. And it's, we have to look at your overall systems yeah. because training. Are they given the tools to do the job right? Exactly. Because yeah. training is the easy answer to pain, but not always the even most if, priority answer for purpose. Even if they know how to do it the right way. They're still not going to do it the right way every time unless there's something keeping them on track, exactly. center line. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to ask the question I was sitting yeah. on because I'm just curious anyway. <laughs> um, somebody like me, yes. s- self-proclaimed chaos junkie. Yes. I love chaos. I thrive in chaos. Yes. I'm not. I don't know if my frontal my my frontal cortex ever fully developed because I don't like system. I don't like planning. Yes. Like, I like just throw me in it. Let's see what happens. And for an interview, great. You know, that's yes. why I think I love what I do. I thrive in this this setting, but it's not great for business. So for somebody <laughs> like me who thrives in chaos, and they're yeah. like, I feel so restricted in systems and oh, yeah. checklists. I mean, oh, you got to go through the same thing every day. Oh yeah. What's your argument to me? What What's your advice for me? If I'm my, so, oh, that sounds so horrible. Yeah. My argument is that none of this is for you. Okay. We're thank, not doing it for you. Thank God. But we're doing it for your team <laughs> so yeah. that you can be whomever you want to be, but yeah. your team does need direction. Got it. Your team does need, you know, that you do want them to learn how to do what you do. Right. So that they can they can support you in scaling it. Mm -hmm. Right. But most people who are founders or who are small business owners, they'd rather poke their eye out than do this. And that's why I always say, look, we're not doing this for you. We're trying to get everything out of your big brains. We're trying to get it on paper so your team can replicate this. Yeah as close to you as possible without being you. Yeah. Yeah, This is why I'm unemployable. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way sometimes, Eric. But, you know, Eric, think about, uh, I always think about Todd Graves with Raising Canes, though. You know, all that, he had all of that, but but all of that wasn't created so Todd could be a better restaurant manager or a better founder. It was so that Todd could lead his organization to great growth by giving people the tools that they needed to be successful. All right. Let's move on to number five before they kick us out. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go. Uh, Number five. No passion around systems, Eric. (laughs) What's number five on this list? Number five, the power of one one brand. One brand, thank you. Okay. I love the power of one brand because to me in today's world, we are in the sea of sameness in a lot of things 
out there. Yeah. So how do we make our brand outstanding, you know, stand out from the crowd? And when, when we are not clear about what our brand represents, when we are not clear about what our promise is to our customer, when we are not clear about how we want our team members to, you know, deliver on that promise, we are, we are pushing ourselves to fall into the sea of sameness mm. and become a commodity in the consumer's mind on, you know, well, if I want this beverage, I might as well go to this place because it's no better than that place. I believe today one of the greatest competitive advantages that people can do is to make their brand outstanding and to be proud of it. Because, how, do you, how do you make your brand stand out? Yeah. So for, you know, when you think about making your brand stand out, it's it, to me, it's about taking a moment and really looking at what makes you uniquely different from everybody else in the marketplace. Like, look at you, you know, how do, how do you make Restaurant Unstoppable be different from every other podcast that's out there? I'm just myself. Well, genuine. I, yeah, I try authentic. to. I, and that's not, it's, I haven't always been like this. I mean, if you listen to some of my early stuff, I, I, I crank it up. I turn it on. There's a level <laughs> of showmanship that it's me because I have enthusiasm. Right. But it's like, it's like it kind of reminds me of the story of Ultimate Warrior. The wrestler. Have you ever heard of that guy? No. You know what I'm talking about? No, I do not. I'm sure you've seen him before. Okay. He had the crazy face paint with like the like the almost oh. like the bat like on his face with all the bright oh, yeah, colors. The black. Yeah. Jacked out of his yeah. mind. Had the things hanging from his biceps, a little da- like the Yeah. Oh, the, I remember that guy. The the tassels. Right. You know, um wild eighties hair energy to the max he, right. his thing his music came on he sprinted into the ring he was his he, he was in the ring and then it would literally bounce i'm not exaggerating right. Right. he would bounce off the freaking turnbuckles and like run back and <laughs> forth and shake the rings and he would and he would speak in this voice it was like and that was him every day lordy and he literally went crazy that little like he he broke down a lot lots of issues because he had to come with that every day and oh. i don't know if you're aware like professional wrestlers they might be on tv once a week but they're they're touring every night oh yeah they're doing that every night yeah and it's just like be careful what you tell the world you are because you have to show up to that every day right and if it's not the true version of you it's going to be hard to sustain yeah, 100%. Yeah. Talk about the pressure of that yeah. too, right? But it's the same thing about a brand, right? What yeah. do people want today? They want friendly service, they want consistency, and they want quality yeah. in a clean environment. Yeah. That hasn't changed in like 100 years. However, what complicates that, right, is when we decide that we're going to be something that we're not, or yeah. we're going to stretch, or we're going to push our people, you know, so far that they're not who they're supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, or we're going to tell people we're this in all of our social media. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things I love about Instagram, right? Like, you see all these great Instagram pictures, and I actually go track down a lot of those places because I'm like, holy good night. I want to know how they do that every yeah. day. Then I show up, and I'm like, what the heck's happening here? Oh, my God. Right? You're striking a chord with me. Sister. And I'm like, come on, man. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put out genuine pictures, yeah. and that way when people come they're, they're going to get what they saw. But please, man, don't be putting out this picture. And then I show up and I find out that it's like a half broken down shed and, you know, and they're making something and I'm like, what was happening here? Mm. You know, no, I, I'm constantly saying that. And it's part of my pushback with social media. And it's like people, part of my issue with social media is that and this isn't what we're here to talk about with branding. Fuck. Yeah. This is what we're here to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah. So, um, I wish we, we lived in a world where people did the thing they say they do or, or are the thing they say they did more than what they say they are. 
Yes. Did I say that right? Yes, like, but, you totally did. But the amount of energy that goes into put, like, and what bugs me is you can be really good at telling the world you're something, and then we have to compete with that. And you could be okay at what you do, but I would just love a world where we just do the thing we do, and that's that's enough. You know, like yes. And, um, I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit of a stretch from where we're supposed to be going, but <laughs> let's hear it, Eric. Let's hear it, man. No, I think I, I just what I just shared. Well, I, think might be I, I don't think it's a stretch because here's why: if people really were who they said they were, yeah. Okay, I just want to do the trickle down effect on that. If they put out the, if they took pictures of the food the way the food really was, think of. The cust- how much the customer would appreciate that yeah. because they wouldn't go there with this expectation that they're going to see something that is like unbelievable and yeah. then it's it's fundamentally not yeah. right but if i use a trickle down effect on that i could also say that if people would just show up as they truly are think of the pressure that that would take off of all the young people today that are shaping their lives having their self-esteem having their self-confidence constantly riddled yeah. by by falsehoods yeah. that you know and i just really feel that it's that whole trigger you know whether it's our personal brand or it's our business brand yeah. like like and that's why i'm coming back to you yeah we all go through evolution i mean you know i could go back to my early days and you know people say well kathleen you're you know you're intense and you're funny and you do all this stuff and that's all true but there was a point when being intense was also like not being the greatest leader too Right. We all grow. That's the whole point. We're supposed to grow and evolve. But I think it would make it much easier for people if we grew and evolved, you know, really being who we are versus, you know, putting these pressures up there that just, you know, just create more problems for us. And I think that's why with branding today, the customer is not stupid. They they do research. They look into things and we want them to be your vocal ambassador, not the person that's telling people what the hey I don't even know what happened here. Yeah, I can't help but think um, listening to you talk. It's a uh, I think brand and culture are one and the same mm. sometimes. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is because culture is omnipresent. Culture isn't necessarily what you say you are; it's the reality of what you are. Mm-hmm. What you say you are isn't what your culture is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I and do. Like, what your culture is is what happens every day. So yes. I think those I think brand and culture should be one of the same. Well, here's where I'm going to agree and also stretch just a little bit on this. So that's why when you look at the power of one, right, it's one vision, one team, one direction with one system, all supporting one brand. To me, brand is external facing Mm -hmm. to the customer, the community, and our vendors and all of our partners. Got it. If I go to number six on the list, which is culture, that's the internal. Oh, a little teaser there. Nice, right? Yeah. But it's the internal. So to your point, I think your inside has to match your outside. And when that happens, we then You're have You're not used one. to talking with the mic in front of your face, I know, are you? Right. And when that <laughs> we happens, put this thing in front of me. Boom. Just, yeah. Yeah. But when we take culture and brand and we yeah. bring them together, we get one. Yeah. Because that. that's when our inside does match our outside. So we can walk our walk and talk our talk. Yeah. And have confidence in both. Yeah. I think we've reached the point to take another break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to unpackage culture. Unless, Ooh, am I cutting you short on brand? No. Let's do culture. All right. We'll be right back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. 
Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back and we are talking about the power of one. Right. We've unpackaged vision. We've unpackaged team. We've unpackaged direction, systems, brand. Number six, culture. Da, 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 culture. Yeah. Right? All right. Take four, first four letters of culture and it spells the word cult. Mm. Right? And when it goes, oh my God, cult, they're so bad. Yeah. 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 There are a lot of bad ones. But what about a culture of raving fans? What about a culture of, you know, people that are going out there and supporting you? Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, culture comes back to are we being clear about our mission, vision, and values? Are we uniting our people around our mission, vision, and values? Are we leading our people and living our mission and vision and values? And then are we ensuring that our team understands their role relative to delivering our mission, vision, and values? Because to your point, I agree with you. I think the one thing that can never be stolen, copied, or even tried to be replicated by any other business out there is culture. Culture is unique. It's a unique DNA of an organization. And sometimes it's the one that we spend the least amount of time on because we're like culture, oh, that's just soft stuff. We don't really have to talk about that. But if you think about culture like oxygen, when everything's going great, we don't, like you and I are not noticing we can't breathe right now. Mm -hmm. But when things aren't going great in a culture, it's like having air pollution and we all get choked up by it. Yeah. So, uh, I love how you kind of, so you, it's mission and vision culture and you echo that again. I want to repeat those clear mission and vision culture, uniting cool. mission, vision culture, leading mission, vision culture, living mission, vision, culture. Value. Sorry, I'm saying leading and living instead of culture. Yeah. yeah. Living. And then I think this is huge team understanding their role in that. Yes. Um, beautiful stuff. Um, is it worth unpackaging that more? I feel like we talk a lot about mission, vision, culture. Yeah. I think mission, we're good. Mission, vision, values a lot comes up yeah. on the show. We already talked about vision. Yeah. Um, I want, I, I have a spin on culture though. I think that would be good if you're good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please. Okay. So I want to talk about culture about that. One of our, if you really think about what are the underpinnings of a great culture, it really comes down to the four R's yeah. respect, reward, recognition, and relationship. The number one reason why people leave a job is their direct relationship with their boss or their supervisor. 
The number one reason why people don't want to, the what, why they're not engaged in their workplace is because they don't feel they're respected. Mm-hmm. And then the other two things that are way within our uh, our ability without having to go get a budget or without having to go get permission is to reward and recognize people. Like just clapping. It There's no budget and there's no approval slip. I could just clap to recognize you for a great job. Yeah. I could reward you by letting you pick whatever shift you want to work because you came in for three shifts to cover somebody. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we think culture is so big that it's someone else's responsibility. And in fact, when you do all the research and you peel it all back, that to me, it's the connective tissue for how we separate ourselves from everyone else, but also how we recruit and retain the people we need necessary to grow and accelerate our businesses. So it was respect, reward, recognize. I think I'm missing one of the others. Recognition and relationship. Relationships. Beautiful. You know, I think it's funny that we, the last one, I don't know if this was the last one on your original list, but I think it's appropriate um, that we mention it last because when you think of the word company, I think that word gets lost in translation, but like when we, in the context of business, a company is an entity, right? right? It's, it's a, it's a business. It's a thing. Right. But when we really think of what, what's company, this is company. You're my company right now. You're my people. It's the company you choose. And business is all about relationships. And that's, and that's how I like to see company is like, who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Who, what is the company? Who are the company you keep? Be selective. Be choosy about that, you know, and say, say no more than often. And the choose to ch- surround yourself with the people who have the same vision as where we started. We're right. going to the same place. Right. Like, do you, I, I finish when I'm going because I feel like you're. You, but you see, that's where. So when you pull these six ingredients together, yeah. that's the power of one. Yeah. When we are all clear, yeah. right? You're just nailing it, Eric. Thank yeah. you so much for this, right? But when we're we're all clear about our vision, you know, our and our team and our direction and our system and our brand, the culture ties it all up. Yeah. And when we can have clarity around that, I can then lead my team, my business to align to that. Mm. That's why when you when you put in a sports analogy, and I know that just, just got knocked out, but you know, when I think about the New York Yankees, They've been in more World Series and more playoffs than any team in the history of baseball. And everyone immediately disses on them and says, well, that's because they had unlimited money. But really, the reality is not every player could play for them because you had to agree with their vision. You're coming there to be a champion. You had to agree with, you had to play with the team. For a long time, nobody had their name on their back. Because only that, you had to agree with the direction. You're coming here to play as a team. You know, the system, from the farm system to all the way up. And then the brand, What the New York Yankees, they stand for winners, champions, right? And the culture, for a really long time, to play there, you couldn't have long hair, you couldn't have mustache, you couldn't do all those things but look what kind of legacy they've achieved and look at how long they have sustained success Mm. and being originally from chicago where we had to wait 108 years for one chicago (laughs) cubs team to win i mean good crime and he catch on that bus a heck of a lot earlier like 1950 would have been great that was a wild time yeah so so that's why you know when i think about the power of one it's about aligning all like Companies that say, well, look, we do four of those six, yeah, they're going to be good. Companies that say we do three of the six, they're going to struggle. Yeah. But the companies that do six out of six, 
good gosh, yeah. they're restaurant unstoppable. Yeah. So whether you're saying core focus or the power of one, and I'm going to echo this again, it's the power of one vision, the power of one team, the power of one direction, the power of one system, the power of one brand and the power of one culture. Get aligned, pull in the same direction. Correct. And you will be truly, I'm, your name is so appropriate, Eric. You, you will truly be a restaurant that's unstoppable. I don't remember how I came up with this. Name. I just love that name, though. <laughs> you were so ahead of the curve. I too. do remember like being at work <laughs> and calling my professor because I was like, he was my mentor. Right. Uh, he still is. He is my mentor. And that's I just so cool. like, it's called Restaurant Unstoppable. And I remember like the whole, the moment when it happened. Right. It's like, you're calling me to tell me this, like out of the blue. <laughs> And I can't remember the reason why. Like, it's escaping me. Um, but All right. Anyway. What class were you taking that he was a, your mentor from? Um, he was a combination of sales and hospitality. Good gracious. Look yeah. how the world provides. The yeah. universe provides, right? Yeah. He was actually, it's the same mentor who assigned the first class, first time I ever met him. I met him. Uh, it was a night class. I'm going to curse in this. I hope I don't offend you. <laughs> it was the first um, night class I ever had, first class with him. He walks in. It's a community college. Um and you know how like those those doors in the classrooms have like like a little slit in the door and there's like metal like wiring. It's like one of those doors you can see. Oh yes, yes. So he walks in. He says, "Who here listens to podcast?" First thing he says, <laughs> nobody raises their hand. He walks out of the classroom and you can see him through that little that little window. And he looks left. He looks right. And he screams because it's a night class. So he knew he could get away. From, he wanted to make sure nobody was in the hallways, but we could hear him. You've got to be fucking kidding me. He was trying to make a point. His whole thing is like delivering points, wowing, you know. Right. And uh, he comes back into the classroom and he says, your first homework assignment is to go find three podcasts of three different topics and come back and report. I looked up entrepreneurism, marketing, and hospitality. Tons of marketing, tons of entrepreneurial podcasts, zero marketing podcasts. And that's what set me on this path right here. Zero hospitality podcast? This is 2012. Zero. There was like two, but they wow. were Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's a fun story. Oh my gosh. That is so amazing. Yeah. So. Look at that. 10 years later, look where you are. I know. You've it's met more him. leaders than any better secretary. better take him to dinner sometime. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You've met more leaders than any secretary of state or president of the United States at this point. <laughs> that's great. That's pretty powerful. So I, we do have to think about wrapping up the conversation yeah, to respect the space. Um, and I, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. You've definitely inspired us. You've definitely empowered us. Tons of great knowledge in today's episode. Transform. Where are we now? Where do we need to be? Where are we going, in your opinion? What's the future look like? Yes. Can we do it intentionally? Yes. I believe that this is the first time in 50 years that the restaurant industry, the restaurant industry, from just my anecdotal history, it has changed every uh, every 10 years. And typically from my history, it's changed when the year ended in a a four, five or six, right? So when you think about it through the seventies, we only had, we were only four segments of the restaurant industry. When we got into the eighties, we saw the explosion of casual dining. When we got into the ninety, we saw the explosion of fast casual. When we got into the two thousands, we saw the, now the splintering of fast casual and casual and quick service and, you know, fine dining was still kind of finding its way. But when we made this last turn, we found ourselves for the first time technology enabled. Mm. 
and then combine that with COVID and the confluence of all the challenges that we're facing. So it's the first time that we as an industry are not just incrementally, we, you know, we're, we used to incrementally evolve, but I actually believe this is the first time where we get to rewrite the rules. Yes. And I think it's one of the most truly most exciting times in the industry. Yeah. And I think that's why it's more important than ever. We talk and share knowledge because yes. let's go into the future intentional. Let's yes. not be reactive. Yeah. I think that we are guilty of that. And I think that's part of the narrative. What was taught is like the consumer drives everything. Right. And they have, and I think they're driven us into the ground. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, what are we doing? You know, like why? Like we don't like the consumer doesn't know what the consumer needs, you know? Right. And if we just give the consumer what they want all the time, I think somebody has got to lose. And I think the industry has been losing for the past 50 years. I totally think so too. I think that that's why I really believe that, you know, you're right. I think this is the time for collaboration. I think this is the time for partnership. I think this is the time for us to start looking at each other as these fierce competitors, but as people who could collaborate to take the industry to where we could do the right thing for the customer. We could do the right thing for the team member, right? And we could ultimately do the right thing for the business because technology is enabling us to do that. Yeah. You mentioned when you started this this riff, you said, you know, how far back did you go? 1970s. 1970s. I'm going to take it further back. All right. Uh, and I think we lost sight. It's so far back we've lost sight of the, the root of hospitality in the restaurant industry. Um, this industry, we were, if you go back to like the 1700s and the 1800s, yep. when America was being formed, it was a, a priority to build a pub in a community before it was a, to build a church. The the pub was the public house. It was the the community center. It's lit, it was the town hall. It was where the selectmen. It was where you got your mail. It's where you got your news. It's where you came together to discuss to lead revolutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've gotten so far away from that that the the pub was the place to come together to talk, to communicate, to share knowledge, to to influence, to to be more than just a place to feed yourself, but a place to it was so much more, you know, and I think we need to recognize that that's what we are and reconnect with that source of like, we're a place where that we, we are influencers. We're change makers and we need to remember that. And we need, I think we need to influence the the public and start saying, no, like make better decisions with your money, you know, like be better. Like you are the change you're purchasing decisions. Your, your purchasing decisions change the future. And I think we need to, do you think we have that responsibility or think that that's too far of an extension? I actually think it's our opportunity, right? I mean, so this kind of goes back to what we've talked about, right? Our roots are back in the 1700s. How do we now make that relevant in the 2020s, right? And I think that as much as people say they don't want to be connected, I believe that people do want to be connected. It just may look different. It may feel different, but this it doesn't. It right, but it doesn't mean we cannot. It should mean like right now. Like I think right now the industry is very reactive. Let's mm. all let's do everything where there's you know. Everything I would fear is, a lot of this right. too. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's in these moments, like right now, where we have the greatest opportunity to uh, innovate, to really write new rules or new guidelines for how to be successful, and really think about how do we bring it back to what you're talking about, community and connection. Because when we have that, we have one of the greatest things that I believe that we all need right now is more unity. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Kathleen Wood. This has been a lot of fun. Eric, uh, I, what do I say to you? This has been, 
you've been amazing. Thank and you. this the time flies with you, Eric. I'll say that. But it does go by so fast. You know, likewise. seriously, thank you for everything you do, though, because you. you know that idea of inspiring and transforming. I mean, what you've been doing all these years, nine hundred sixty into this, is truly a commitment and dedication of leadership. Thank and thank you, thank you for that the positive impact. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you so much. Uh, we can't let you leave without calling somebody out. Uh, who do you respect and admire in the industry? Somebody that you think absolutely needs to be a guest on the show. You mentioned Todd Graves. He's on my radar. Yeah. I don't know if your mind was going there, but give me another one. Cause I know you have, a, I know a, a Todd is such a great one. You know, Todd is such a great, I, I think that, uh, people, I mean, it's like such a great American dream success story. Um, so I definitely think that I know, have you had Brandon Landry from walk on Zom? He's one of the reasons why I'm here. All right. Well, there you go. I've got that one. And then, um, I think one is Chris Gannon from Bolay, you know, make every day Bolay. Okay. I think what Chris is doing in his, with his concept, not only his concept, his culture, his commitment, he is a leader of creating unity. I think he is an amazing one. And then the other one that I think would be a great person to have on the podcast is actually Karen Stutz, the CEO of Native Foods. You know, Karen has built some of the greatest brands in the restaurant industry, and now she's out there building one of the greatest uh, vegan restaurant concepts in the industry. Beautiful. And she is really one of those leaders who continues just to give back in such a profound way. Yeah. Chris, Karen, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And how can we connect with you? Also, you got to tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so a couple of things. Thanks for that. One is you can connect with me at kwoodpartners.com. You know, just the word K, letter K, woodpartners.com. Two, on there, you'll find information about my newest book, Founderology, you know, the ultimate employee guide for working with any boss in any environment. And then second, you'll find information about my podcast, Eric, uh, which I've learned a great deal from you today about. And the podcast is called Turning Tables, and it's on Spotify, um, iHeart, and Apple. So. I'd uh, love to have you as a guest too, Eric. Congratulations. I would love to make that happen. Thank you that very much. That would be much. awesome. And uh, if you head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 938, there's a summary of today's discussion as well as how to connect with Kathleen over there and links to her, her podcast and her websites and her books will all be over there. Kathleen Wood, thank you so much for coming on the show. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, Eric. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Kathleen Wood, for taking us through her one thing process. And I have to admit, this is something that Restaurant Unstoppable was in need of, uh, this this exercise of really really getting that clarity of who you are, what your unique ability is, and where you should be putting all of your energy. And um, we went through this process. Kathleen took me through her process, and I have to say that I have never felt like I've had this much clarity ever before. And I'm so excited to march into the future. And uh, I encourage you to go through this process yourself right now. Actually, if you head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash nine, four, three, we'll have a link in the show notes for you to join the network, a 30 day free access to the network. We're going to post the session with Kathleen Wood where she helps me find my one thing. And it's just super powerful. And uh, if you guys are interested in getting your own clarity on finding out what your one thing is and getting a and getting everybody pulling in the same direction. But part of the challenge of that is, is communicating what your one thing is. And if you can't 
clearly communicate to your team what your one thing is and where you're going. How are they expected to get there with you or how they expected to help you get to where you're going? So this is super powerful. If you choose to work with Kathleen Wood and she shared her contact information right at the end of today's episode. So just go back, listen to her contact information. If you reach out to her and you choose to work with her, she's going to give us a kickback. She's going to say thank you to Restaurant Unstoppable for sending people her way. And here's the thing. I'd be sending you her way regardless of whether or not I was earning a commission. But this is how people are supporting the show. And I just cannot say thank you enough to Kathleen uh, for be willing to support the show with a little kickback. Uh, and just be sure you mention Restaurant Unstoppable. And that helps so much. And I would be referring you to Kathleen regardless of whether or not there was a commission involved. Uh, really, the show exists to, to listen to successful people, to, to follow the clues, and those clues brought me to Kathleen, and uh, this these little kickbacks help out so much. So that's it for today. Thank you in advance if you guys are supporting the show, uh, and I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to Jared Parisi at Sumadre Podcast for all the editing and copywriting he does, and to Sam from SavAndSam.com for his videography and the social media work. It takes a team, and I'm so grateful for mine. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.